File corrupted. Beginning recovery process. State of the Save is back with our bonus show, File Corrupted. We have the full crew here with us today. Uh, across from me, once again, I'm Eric. Across from me, uh, Nick. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. Hey. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, also, kind of catty corner from me is Michael. How are things going, Michael? I'm doing good. I'm operating at full power. Okay. I, I have ascended to a higher level of being. <laughs> um, I'm operating at 46% power. I'm operating on a on a MacBook, so it's it's just plugged into the wall. Um, this is going to be a weird show. God help you all. Uh, it's a late night show. Do we have a plan? Vaguely. Will we follow the plan? Most likely not. Uh, but we do want to start off with thanking everybody who listened to last week's episode, part one of Metal Gear Solid. Next week, we will have part two, finishing up Metal Gear Solid. It was a good show. I hope you checked it out. Um, we are approaching our Christmas season where we do all of our end of the year shenanigans. So definitely, if you have not had an opportunity to listen to last year's you know, Christmas uh episodes shenanigans. Shenanigans. shenanigans exactly uh that'll kind of give you a heads up of what we're looking at for this year but it's gonna be fun it's gonna Eric be a fun Nick's 25 minute rant about cyberpunk 2077 yes i think that came out the day before we recorded that thing so yep. it was like peak disappointment by myself and nick it was a good time um but i don't know how well that's aged <laughs> but uh you know it's gonna be a great end of the year but, you know, let's just have a fun show today. We got some cool video games to talk about. We got some cool other stuff to talk about. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one. So, without any uh, to do, let's talk about some video games on this here video game show. Uh, Bold. Yeah, I know. Never crazy. been done. Never been done. No one has ever talked about video games on a video game show. Uh, I have one video game to talk about. I know Nick has one video game to talk about. Michael, you've got a couple. Let's get you want to just get the big one out of the way. Let's do it. Let's. This is why we're convening today, pretty much. Yes, this is the plan. This is the full extent of the plan. <laughs> um, so we're going to stretch the hell out of this one. Um, no, last week, the day that we recorded last week, uh, the Metal Gear Solid episode, Halo Infinite's uh, multiplayer dropped that day. Uh, I think Nick was the only one who had played it at that point. Yes. But now we have all played it. We have all played a lot of Halo, and uh, let's talk about Halo Infinite. Let's talk about Halo Infinite. We've all played together. We had a good time. Uh, he's brought the whole the whole team together here. Halo Infinite. I'm gonna go ahead and make a bold bold proclamation. Shall we go ahead and just go around and say what we think of this thing? Sure. Just yeah. It, the, all in one like go. Yeah. Let's let's do that. We'll go around. I'm gonna start off because because uh, I'm the host of this Halo podcast. Um. <laughs> Halo Infinite is the best Halo experience I have had since Halo Reach. Um, and it is the probably the best multiplayer first-person shooter I have played in at least maybe since the launch of Apex. Hmm. Oh, wow. My, yes. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I have I Last night, me and Nick talked a little bit. And I think, Michael, you might have been there too. Well, I was like, okay, someone tell me something bad about this experience because it took a few days before I actually was able to get over my like rose colored glasses 
to be like, okay, there's some couple of things they need to improve here and there. Because the first two days, man, I ain't going to lie. I was just like, this is amazing. Nothing is wrong with this ever. So I'm having a ball with this thing. So let's go around here. Nick, what's your impressions on Halo so far? Uh, this game whips ass. It not only does it <laughs> kick ass, it whips ass. <laughs> It it, it backslaps. Can we please? Yeah, it backslaps. It backslaps. It whips. It whips ass. It kicks ass. It backslaps. It's a great damn video game. No, I mean you've played. I think probably more than me and Michael. Yeah, I've been playing pretty much nonstop since it came out. I can't blame you. It's I awesome. can't blame. It's you. really good. <laughs> um, we'll get back to you then. All right, Michael. You, are, Michael. I would say is it fair to say that you are probably the least. Like first person shooter guy. Maybe like you play first person, some. Yeah, I play. I dabble in first person shooters, but I like. I like a large multitude of genres. So uh, in order for me to like go to a first person shooter, I have to be like, no, this one's really, really good. Halo is really, really good. Like I've never been that big of a Halo guy. I played the trilogy once all the way through on Master Chief Collection and some multiplayer at friends' houses and at a church, of all places. That next box with Halo 2. That actually tracks for me, too, for some reason. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, I played Halo 2 on a big like projector screen yep. at a church, <laughs> yeah. which made no sense to me. Like, why Halo 2 and churches go together? Well, you see, the Master Chief is brought... His name is that, John 117, which from the Christian Bible translates to... <laughs> it translates something. to... I, I was, <laughs> welcome to our TED Talk, where we compare the Master Chief to Jesus. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Oh but, man, I would if we were better prepared podcasts, we could have done that. Had like little piped in organs in the background. Uh, it would have been great. Be, but yeah, being predominantly on Xbox the past couple of generations, I've never been the biggest fan of Halo, and especially not online Halo. It's always been like, man, this is uh, not a fun experience for me solo. But going in and playing with you and Nick, this is. I want to single hand, well, double hand away. Thank Microsoft and EA for saving me sixty dollars for not buying uh, Battlefield and instead playing Halo for free. Well, <laughs> yeah. fifty dollars. I bought the battle. I never bought a battle pass in my life, but I'm. Those cosmetics are really cool. I want to hopefully play enough to unlock that AI in the builder hat. So that's where I, that's where my sights are set. But so I'm absolutely in very much enjoying my time with this multiplayer game i um i am kind of the opposite i i i freaking love halo i played the first halo when it came out i um i think i played it for the first time in a single night in co-op uh halo 2 halo 3 were massive games halo reach was a big deal for me odst was big um, around four and five, which is when three four three took over the franchise, is kind of when I started to fall off. And when I say I was a big fan, like I was midnight launch for three. You know, I bought the legendary edition at the time. I've seen your bookshelf, a lot of Halo books. <laughs> I, I read some bookshelf. I read some books, man. You want to talk about like Reach before there was a video game called Reach? I can tell you about that. You want to talk about the Spartan One project? I can talk about that. Me and Nick last night were breaking down the Spartan Generations. Um, no, I, I gave a, I gave a big damn about Halo up till four and five. I think five broke me. And it's because those games, it's not, those games are not bad, but they were not 
at their heart, they did not feel like a Halo game. From the outside looking in, it seemed like they kind of lost why people liked Halo to begin with. Like, not launch, not having at all the option to do split-screen multiplayer just seems incredibly tone-deaf. Even from someone who doesn't know Halo. I'm like, that's Halo. Yeah. That's the Halo experience. Going to a friend's house, playing a couple missions on co-op, and then being like, man... I don't want an Xbox, but I'm glad someone has an Xbox so I can play. <laughs> there also was, like, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was also, this is when they started to move the game to a more fast-paced game. You started adding yeah. things like sprinting. They started adding a lot of mobility options. And I like fast-paced first-person shooters. You know, I love games like Titanfall 2 and... Things like that. Reach was kind of going that way too with the. They had the loadouts. The, the loadouts were one of the ability, but one of the oh, it was a, the ah, sorry the sprint was an ability. Right. So exactly. if you didn't have the sprint, you had like another like tactical option. So it was like the sprint was more like an option on your tactical repertoire. It wasn't something that boosted the speed of the game because that was just something that only a select few people would did. And most of the when I played Reach, most people chose like the bubble shield, <laughs> or the um, the jetpack or something yeah. like that. And I will say, I like Reach a lot. I think Reach has the strongest campaign in the franchise. To be honest with you, I think Reach is, and one of the reasons is one of the weakest parts of Halo. I would have taken in, you for an ODST guy. So. ODST is very very good, but it's not. ODST is is very much to me a a side game. Gotcha. Like it's not bad by any means. I will not talk junk about it because it's it's the first time there was an open hub system in Halo, which is kind of coming back in the new one. Um, it was a you were a lot more spongy in ODST. You couldn't kind of just take a bunch of hits. That you know by that point in like three, you know you playing on like you know what was it heroic is the hard difficulty. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you could still take some beating and, and survive. In ODST, you had to kind of be a little bit more tactical. The enemies, it's when the enemies got back to being scary. Yeah, I mean, you when you first fight those, I don't even know what they're called. Are they called the hunters, the dudes with the giant things? They yeah, that sounds right. Yes. Uh, you know, you fight that the first time. I don't remember when the first game they were in. but uh, they're on. I want to say they're on the mission that starts with the beach landing in Halo 1. Okay. There's um there's a beach landing and then it triggers the first hunter fight. Yeah. But it's a big damn deal. Yeah, you see those dudes and you freak out and then like by the time it's like Halo three, they're like sprinkled into every map and then you take away the power armor and your giant weapons and stuff and those dudes get scary again. Well, even like brutes because yeah. I, I've talked about I played some of the Master Chief um, collection before this came out and I played some firefight which is ODST rules and like a brute in Halo three. Is just cannon fodder. You know? Yeah, like you can fly right through them. In ODST, they've they'll there may be two of them on the field at the same time, and like it's a big deal. It takes a magazine and a half to drop that guy. He you can't just melee him. Yeah, you melee him and he bitch slaps you. You know, <laughs> um, so like they did a kind of it kind of made the enemies more of a threat again because by three, um, even with like the voice acting, like the they were very jokey. Like, you laughed at the grunts saying stupid stuff and getting themselves killed. Uh, ODST kind of brought back the the enemies being dangerous, and Reach kind of played off of that also with uh, returning the enemies to using, like, languages, like 
alien languages and stuff and not making them as comedic. Yeah. Where in three and stuff, they were very kind of ha-ha funny. Um, and Reach was kind of a downer story because it's, it's a defeat. Like, yeah. You know, because uh, you know, I read the freaking books, man. <laughs> um, the, nothing, nothing good happens on Reach. Uh, and so it was really, like, I really loved Reach. And me and Nick, we played a lot of Reach. Yeah, that now, was by far my favorite Halo game. Now, also, funny enough, talking about, like, the armor abilities and stuff, we played a lot of SWAT. Yeah. Which is the eliminating the armor abilities and just shooting people in the head. Yeah. So maybe we were at the time still leaning away from some of that stuff. But I think by the time 4 and 5 came around, they were leaning so heavily into armor abilities. And then they had, they were leaning very heavily into things like the fancy assassinations. I love those. I want them now. I, I want them back in some ways, but boy, do I remember, like, do I forget, like, how fast it was in old halo to just hit a guy in the back and keep moving yeah um i mean you can still do that or you could choose to hold the trigger down and assassinate true but like i don't have the self-control not to do the assassination. Yeah, assassinate every time you can yes it took me level 25 on this battle pass to get i'm gonna do it every single time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah is there any assassinations no. there is no assassinate yeah. yeah wow okay we'll talk about that when we get there but money on the table I'm sure somewhere down the line someone's going to monetize and start selling assassinations. Um, but talking about you know this one infinite, one thing that kind of instantly caught me was while it's a faster paced game and it feels very much like a modern first person shooter, um, they got down one the map design is vastly better than five and four ever had. I think there's what six maps in this this uh, initial release. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's not a ton of maps. I haven't been counting at all. Yeah, I would say maybe six at the most. I can picture them in my head, but maybe no more than six. Because I want to say like there's four maps for the like standard modes and two maps for big team battle. Yeah, something around that. But it might be three for big team battle. I think it might be three. Yeah, you might. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. But. They'll, they they just nail down the map design. It's very quickly uh, easy to recognize where you're at, where power weapons are located. You're not getting lost in the map. The map flows very well. We've been playing a mode that's very much similar to Domination in yeah. Call of Duty. And it's uh, we're talking about map rotation and rotating them out around the map. And it just feels right and it feels smooth. Um, it's just very hard. Like I was talking about last night with you guys, I was like... It, it seems like they just nailed the. They've nailed everything on the head. Sound design sounds great. It looks damn good. We're all playing it on different hardware yeah. and are able to play together without running into major issues. Mm-hmm. And maybe Nick, um, you know, you're running it on PC, right? Yep. Any issues on your end? Uh, no. Michael, you're on the original Xbox One. I'm on the original Xbox One. Yes. How's, how's that running? Uh, thirty frames a second. I mean, but it's a stable thirty frames a second, and Halo does not. It's a much slower pace, first person shooter from what I, from other the first person shooters I played. So I'm going so right off the head, Doom and Titanfall. It's a much more different, more tactical style game. So I don't feel like when I'm dying, it's because I'm playing at a lower frame rate than probably most of the people playing this game. So I'm never feel at a disadvantage because of it. And after a while, after like the first match, I kind of adjust to it to where I'm like, 
God, just because that's, that's the fr- I played a lot of uh, Destiny PvP, and uh, Destiny on console was always thirty. So it's very similar game. It's like it's like it's using a similar framework as to what uh, three four three is working with to with well, the whole uh, Halo prodigy uh, pedigree. Well, you know, and like for me, I'm playing it on the X, and I'm not. Like, it runs very smoothly, and like I said, we've, we've been able to navigate games very quickly. Um, and and like, the, the load times aren't bad either. Like, I know you guys are loading into your ma- main menus faster than I am, much faster than I am, but I never feel like I'm holding the game back by me loading in. It's usually like when we're playing together, and like I'm waiting to restart the next game, like it's like two or three seconds before it, you know, lets me go ahead and start searching. And you're back in a match in like a minute, even yeah. with even with me like kind of dragging you back with my internal hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is loaded on an external hard drive, so even with that, it's uh, not holding you guys back too much. No, and like that's a that's an accomplishment. That's what Microsoft is kind of like preaching right now, right? Play well, games however you want, wherever you want to, with the people you want to. Seems to be their messaging. Phil Spencer's on a roll recently with just him in general and his like PR speak. I mean. So, I'll follow that man into battle. Even though I switch sides to PS5, I'll be like, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm still, I still got Game Pass, Phil. <laughs> I think that's the thing, right? Like, Microsoft doesn't. I don't know if Microsoft really cares as much about the fact that you don't have their hardware as much as the fact that you're subscribed to Game Pass. Yeah, it kind of seems like that. I mean, they're jumping on that XCloud stuff, um, which you can play on your phone at this point. I'm, I'm fascinated to try that. That's not like how I want to play video games. Yeah, but I just want to know if it works. Like I mean, that's the only. I've, thing. I've used it. There's some latency, um, <clears throat> which you're gonna get. You're streaming it on a phone over, you know, hopefully 5G. Some games are better than others. Yeah, and like you I, know, I, I, it's pretty serviceable for low uh, maintenance games. Like if you're if you wanted to play through. Uh, Yakuza like a dragon or something through that, I'm sure you'd have no issue. What actually works better for me when I tried it was doing remote play on it. Like, connected to like a separate Wi-Fi network away from my home, I was able to, with my Xbox and standby mode, turn on my Xbox and navigate through the menus with uh, very little latency. So playing a game on it, I think, work through remote play is work. Had I had much less latency while trying to play a game using touchscreen on my iPhone on Wi-Fi. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing something that's like a card game or a turn-based game or something like that. Slay the Spire was good on it. That's I'm, the type of, I wouldn't play. Then I tried to play that one uh, game. I can't remember the name of it, but inspired, very much inspired by like Daytona USA. And the first turn, it was the game couldn't process. It was like, ah, uh, you're past the turn now. I'm like, what? (laughs) I mean, but the fact that they're even investing research and technology into trying to get into that sphere is is interesting to me. And like I said, I think Microsoft wins as long as you subscribe to Game Pass. They don't even, I don't know if like owning an Xbox really even matters as much anymore as long as they have you in that Game Pass sphere and i have a hard time not telling someone to get game pass because boys it a damn we i said it like uh, last night i told uh you guys i said if i was a teenager when game pass existed uh, it would have been such a game changer for me exactly because like yeah. when you know you think about when you're like 14 
trying to like, getting your hands on a new game at 14 at least for me was a big deal I, like, it was hard to do I need straight A's on my report card and then they're like here's 50 bucks for a game oh shit dude I mean oh, it was like the only games that I I never owned any games when I was a kid it was mostly just rentals like that's what I got through it was a lot of rentals and it was like we did a lot of used games. Yeah, like flea bargain and stuff. Yeah, bargain. <laughs> and, like, a lot of, like, that $10 section at the GameStop. So, like, you know, I'm trying to think back. Like, when, like, Chronicles Erratic Escape from Butcher's Bay was out, like, I would have got it when it was 10 bucks. Usually, like, two years later, you know. You didn't have phones to look at reviews, so you just had to go by the cover and the back of the box and went, man, I hope this is good. Well, I was on a lot. I had video game magazines. I had video game magazines. Yeah, you... I had so, uh, Disney Adventure magazine, so I got I got shoveled Kingdom Hearts a lot. Like, hey, you want to play some Kingdom Hearts? I'm like, no, not really. Uh, go into the details of the combat system, and then they're like, look, it's Mickey Mouse. I'm like, I don't know. And it, that's not going to be really hard hitting journalism from the Disney magazine. I feel like that's what you got. That's you how I got. That's how I got my. That's how I got my game release news because I was really excited when Sonic Heroes was on the January. Uh, edition. I was like, yo, man, Sonic Heroes is coming out. Yeah. See, I was, uh, we were big, like, encouraging uh, reading at any level. And they're like, what would Eric read? He'll read about video games. So, like, let him have video game magazines. So, like, I usually had, like, a gr- like a pretty good grasp on what was going on in the video game ward without playing a bunch of stuff because I was, you know, I had, like, my subscription there. And then, so I was pretty good about, like, at least knowing what was going on. But I was thinking about, like, man, teenager now, you're 14, you get Game Pass. Like, the ward has opened up to you, man. You're getting new releases. You're getting all these classic, in, you know, classic games, indie games. Life is good. And, you know, you know, you're easier to earn 20 bucks a month, you know. You can mow some yards and get 20 bucks a month. So I, I feel, uh, I feel a little bit dishes, jealous. Clean the house. You can get 20 bucks of allowance in a month if you play it right. Dude, so, I never, I didn't get allowance. I had to, I had to go out and like con other people give me money. <laughs> um, but, yo, I, yeah, I was just sitting there thinking about that. But like this thing dropping on there and being free to play and all that, it's, it's just, you know, there's no barrier to entry. This is the first time in a long time I pulled up my friends list and saw a bunch of people playing a Microsoft exclusive at the same time. It was like, wow, they did it. I mean, it's the last, like, big Microsoft exclusive since what? Forza Horizon 5 a week before. Yeah, well, (laughs) I don't give a damn about racing games. Maybe Gills 5 was the last one before that then? Yeah. Because I don't give a shit about racing games, and that's just me. I've never cared about racing games. But, um, like, Gran Turismo was just a, like, tech demo for PlayStation. It's like, here, look at this new Gran Turismo on the PlayStation 2. It's like, ah, cool. Not going to play that. Um, I drive a car all day anyway. Um, you spend like two, out, two, three hours on Gran Turismo unlocking all the licenses. And then you get in your first race and then spin out immediately going, oh, this is a simulation racer. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't want to do things I can do in real life. I can't, I can't fly spaceships in real life. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I've just this thing has been really fascinating to me. It's, it's definitely made me ex- very excited about the single player campaign coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, I think me. And it Nick- is a couple of weeks. Oh my god! Yes. Where, where did couple, time go? Yeah, man. Two weeks, I think. Right. It's the eighth of December, and uh, so that's exciting, man. Like I feel like this has been Microsoft's first like really hit it out of the park home run. And it'll be interesting to see, like, A, what happens when that single-player content drops because it looks a lot better than it did at initial release. And, <laughs> they're uh, making references to how rough it looks. Like, there are 
uh, there's a vinyl for Craig hidden somewhere in like a very almost unreachable area. Which, I mean, that shows that they have the right mentality on this. That they're like, we can laugh at ourselves and be like, boy, did we kind of show something rough last time. But I feel like you have to feel pretty confident in your new version of the game or your new, you know, your, your what you're shipping to be able to take pot shots at your previous, you know, stuff. Like, I feel like if you're still real shaky on what you're shipping, or if you're you still, probably aren't doing that. Or if you're still putting text on a yellow splash screen. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere CD Project Red is still being like, uh, I know that next-gen version of The Witcher 3 we promised is a make good for Cyberpunk, guys. Still coming maybe 2023. Um, the fastest fall from grace of a video game company. Uh, man, I don't know. Activision probably has taken that uh, they were already low but they found a way to like go uh fall through the floor yeah they were like 10 if feet Ninten- under like now all the big three because like i think about as of an hour ago from recording this uh nintendo was the last one to be like uh yeah we're, we don't approve of what's going on over there and like if nintendo speaks up about anything going on in this industry no, I mean, uh, the, 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 you t- royally messed up because Nintendo was silent on everything. Yeah, Nintendo <laughs> usually doesn't want to talk about any of that kind of stuff. Um, other than like, hey, you should play Halo. Is there anything else y'all want to talk about on it? I got a couple things that I'm going to be really quick about. I took advantage of the Black Friday sale and some birthday money and got two PlayStation games that I really had my eye on for a while. The first is Deathloop. Which is something I'm very much looking forward to playing, probably which, next year. Which is why I'm not going to say much about it. I'll uh, I'll answer any questions you have immediately about the game, but I don't want to give too much away because I'm try as I'm playing through, I'm trying to figure out is the structure of this game possible to do on the show because I feel like Eric would be absolutely into what this game is doing. Um, Deathloop hype was the reason why we went back and we played Dishonored and Dishonored Two. Which uh, no Dishonored, well, I'm. Got Dishonored 2 on my hard drive. I ain't started it yet, though. Uh, but I'm probably going to play it over the break. Um, and uh, I am very excited about that game. I watched a 10-minute kind of overview on how that game functions. And to be honest with you, I don't want to get super into it from my point of view. And y- y'all can talk about it. Don't get me wrong. But gotcha. it's already sold me. The concept of it being a... Um, it seems to have the aspects of a roguelike that... Mm, kind kind well, with of, the repe- but yeah. With the repeating of actions, yeah. trying to hit almost like, quote-unquote, the perfect run. I will say... But it doesn't yeah. have the annoying aspects of a roguelike that I don't like, which is the... A lot of times those games have a lot of, like, filler content. This seems to be a little bit more focused, like... Hey, you're going to be playing this stuff over and over and over again, but it's going to be a tight six objectives or whatever. It circumvents everything that people would find annoying about rug- roguelikes. So, because when you die, it's more like a, oh, uh, that didn't work. All right, I'm going to try uh, this string of events now this way. So, I think it has more in common with something like an Outer Wilds combined with a dishonored versus like a dishonored with a hades because dishonored dna is all over this thing but in like a first person shooter context in a way that with also i think i was talking to you about last night i got some time splitter vibes coming from this it might just be because of like the very like 
pulpy, stylistic aspect of it remind me so much of Time Splitters, which is now backwards compatible, which makes me incredibly happy. But just if any game can remind me of Time Splitters, I'm instantly going to knock it up some on uh, my list of things that I'm enjoying. I mean, it looks very, very good. Uh, have you watched any of that kind of footage about Deathloop, uh, Nick? It's it feels like a game that might appeal to you. Um, I'm interested in it. I haven't seen anything about it. I would keep it that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to go out and like get a bunch of. Uh, like, I haven't watched anybody play it, but I've definitely heard some stuff through podcasts and stuff. The, di- the dialogue and the characterizations of everyone is fantastic, and the writing is very funny like fun well not funnier than i was expecting like i i belly laughed a couple times at like just the character dynamics which is kind of outside of what we have seen from arcane because of playing through De- uh dishonored is not a humorous game at it all had, it had some chuckle moments where you're like ha, ah, that was clever yeah but, no, <laughs> but it wasn't like i would say a funny game mm-hmm. um i played a little bit of prey and that didn't have a ton of humor in it. Um, so it, the idea that they're kind of getting a little bit more lighthearted is interesting to see how that goes from them. And the, it fits the art style and the kind of the um, the vibe that that game puts out. And I'm very interested in like how the PvP works in that game because it's like very Dark Souls-like. I can kind of go into it if you want just the PvP aspects. Let's go through just that. I don't just really want to get into like story or yeah. anything like that. But that the PvP, if I'm correct, it's it's very much like Dark Souls, in which there is a another character in your ward directly trying to stop you from completing your objectives, and they are like your kind of uh, your wild card, right? Like, yeah, more or less. Like uh, you won't run into uh, the character of Juliana every loop so the main menu has two options uh break the loop which is where you play the main story because of course you're trying to break the time loop or protect the loop where you play as juliana and uh you basically uh when you're playing as uh colt the main character you'll get a signal that's like oh all your doors are jammed and are locked and uh there is a jammer set up which means Juliana's there which means you can't go to any other areas on the map. So you're locked into like one level, essentially. And you can't leave until you either A, kill Juliana, or B, hack the jammer to unlock the doors to get out of there. And Juliana is equipped with an ability that is uh, ran- like a, basically, if to compare this to a Mega Man game, uh, all the bosses have different, like, an ability... And Juliana will have a random one of those. So you can kill her on this loop. Once you kill her, you can take that ability. And then you just have it for, for a part of your repertoire. Okay, so like, if you're playing as Juliana, are you as um, well equipped as the player that you're trying to kill? Or are you like uh, significantly weak? Or like, that was the one thing I you was want, wondering I how believe that works. you unlock... I don't quote me on this, but I believe you unlock different loadout options, like the higher your Juliana level is. Like, you'll get a, a boost in level for, like, survive three minutes in this player's loop. Survive ten minutes in this player's loop. I basically... I only tried this once. I didn't have the encounter with the other player. I think it was just doing his own thing and ignoring me. 
It's just like, oh, this this person showed up in my game. So I waited literally for 10 minutes, got the 10-minute achievement thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to explore a bit, and then died trying to explore. And then that was the end of that loop. Does enemies try to, like, do you have to engage enemies as Juliana? No, they are on your side as Juliana. So because they're all about protecting the loop as well as Juliana. Okay. And Colt's trying to break it, so they're like, "We want to live eternal life on this island." What is he doing? What's he thinking about? <laughs> so it's basically uh, it's the Loki thing, right? Like protect the timeline. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I don't want to go any no, more no, into no, the no, story no. besides that because the story is kind of nuts in a way I appreciate. But no, no, I don't want to get into that. Um, what's the other game that you picked up? The other game so? is Ghost of Tsushima. And I'm about like six hours into that, so of an open open world game, like I kind of scratched the surface on it, maybe a little bit deeper. But I am already in love with everything that this game is doing from a cinematic perspective. Sucker Punch, who was previously known for the Infamous franchise, which was a game franchise I never got into. I tried the first game, and I think I played maybe around. Uh, about five hours, maybe. The first game has some rough edges. The second game is one of my favorite games on the PlayStation Three. And I did wasn't just I wasn't really inf- uh, interested in Infamous Second Son. It's on my PlayStation hard drive because it came free with the system, but I haven't ever checked it out because I'm like ah, Infamous story kind of wrapped up to me. But it, it was one of those things like I just could not get into the ward. I got that. Yeah. Um, it reminded me, and like I don't think this is a fair statement. But it reminded me of that game Prototype. I mean, it came out around the similar time, and I think everybody had that yeah, impression, too. Yeah, I just could not. If, if you played one it. first, you like look at the air and go, eh, nah. I played I, Prototype, and I still look at Prototype and go, eh. <laughs> prototype is not a very good video game. Join us for I, season three where we play Prototype. No, nah, <laughs> You would have to you have to do some convincing there, because that got a sequel, didn't it? it yeah, did. it did get That's a sequel. Really weird. Well, I think you were hunting down the main character of the first game. You, oh, you know yeah, that guy killed your parents. I don't know why. I know that. <laughs> why do you know? Why do you know prototype lore? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Alex Mercer. How do you? How? <laughs> how do you know that name? Okay, what's the what's the guy in the sequel? I don't know. Oh, okay, <laughs> if you knew that, I would lose my mind. No, I, I'm not entirely sure. You just didn't make up a generic no, name. No, that's right. right. Now. I think that's right. It probably is. <laughs> it probably is right. But damn, I. Okay, tell me more about lore from Proto. I beat uh, Prototype. He, he wears a hoodie and has tentacle hands. Yeah, he wears like a Ezio hoodie made out of basically Venom stuff, and it's governments and the government is bad. And- if I remember correctly, also like <laughs> there was a weird thing where like you would have the factions interacting with each other, and like at one point in the game, it just broke the game for me. Because there was just so many people fighting in the streets. It just looked like a riot everywhere yeah. I went. They're selling me on it, actually. It's not a good video game. It's it's. If you want to play a good video game that's like that, just play Crackdown 1. Y- y- yeah, it's crack- yeah. I'm, I, might, I might stir some up. It's Crackdown. I played Crackdown. Is that a good video game? It's a good video game. It's not like a franchise I give a damn about. <laughs> it's not like a prestige game, but it's just like, if you want to have fun... You can jump really high and collect orbs so that you can jump even higher. The only reason okay. like I played that because it, it going back to Halo, the Halo it beta. came with the Halo yeah. Three beta. Yeah. And the Halo like, Three beta came with Crackdown. Yes, yeah, yeah. But it was very bare bones and yeah, it just it got down the basics of what you wanted to do, which was jump real high, throw heavy stuff, 
and shoot people. It was it's the definition of like a like if you described a video game to somebody in the most basic terms, that's crackdown. But like the concept that they went and made more crackdown showed that like I, I don't give a damn about crackdown as a franchise. I just care about that one game. You don't care about Terry Crews yelling at you in commercials. They made a comic book. Um, uh, that does not surprise me. But they made a comic book miniseries. But it came out recently, like when the new Crackdown came out. Like when I say new, I, I, it was like three. three crackdown three. Yeah. Is, I thought you were going to say it came out after the new Crackdown. No, came it out. did. I would've, that would have blew my mind. What? It did. Like six to eight months after it no, came out. What? And I don't know, like, because I did not waste my money on the Crackdown comic. But it was like a five-issue miniseries, and it got delayed multiple times. So I remember, like, solicitations for, like, the last issue came out, like, a year after the game came out. It's like they're still releasing cyberpunk comics. I don't know if Dark Horse signed some, like, deal where they had to release at least three or four miniseries or something. But they're still releasing, like, cyberpunk comics today. And I wonder if the writing from them is better than the uh, ones no. in the game. Oh, <laughs> because I uh, because I picked up mystery solved. I picked up uh, one of them had like a decent first issue premise, but because I was like, well, maybe these can be like good cyberpunk, like not in the name of the game. Oh, they're like, like it, multiple like vignette things. Yeah, I was like, maybe this can be like so, just a fun story, and I can just ignore the fact it's linked to this video game. Also, like before Watchmen. <laughs> no, that's that piece of shit. I don't want to read those comics. The the Minutemen uh, line was good, but anyway, <laughs> uh, you're wrong. But uh, we'll go ahead and keep on moving along. <laughs> okay. You want to talk about comics? We're talking about fucking comics. Uh, Moon Knight. <laughs> Moon Knight's damn. I, I got it. I got okay. It. Okay. We'll talk about comics. We're talking about fucking all sorts of comics. Um. Well, what, what were you talking about? Ghost of Tsushima is a good game. Yes. <laughs> I I I would like to play that video game. Um, but. To be honest with you, one of the things that worries me the most about it is I don't generally like a bunch of open world games that uh, I feel like are trying to go for a big like cinematic experience because I feel like the open worldness can kind of break the experience a little bit. If that makes any sense, I can see that, and so far I haven't been having like that disconnect. There's not going like, to be like a bunch of like go collect a bunch of berries. It's uh, like find this lady's pot. I haven't ran into like that stuff. It's mostly like, hey, uh, here's a nice stump here. Do you feel inspired to write a haiku? And so like, it's not just your character writing a haiku. You like look at pieces of the environment, and then like he'll write like the first stanza, the second stanza, the third stanza based on like what you picked out. And then when you get the item from that, the item description is the haiku you wrote. That's so I'm like, cool. that's, oh, like that's cool. So like, I have an attachment with this headband because I chilled out in like the golden forest, which was just like it, it's the game set in autumn. So like, you can have the classic samurai like walk through the forest, and, like the leaves are falling, and it, like so I have a golden headband. I don't know if, if it was a golden headband just because I talked about the golden trees or something. No, so I mean, I'm gonna write like that's definitely a lot more better than just glorify fetch quests and things like that. I feel like if you're trying to go very heavily into a cinematic experience, I want to not lose that when I, you're telling me that I need to find a bunch of pigeons. I'm role playing this game like pretty extensively. I'm fast traveling only when it's like I, I'm gonna return this quest or it's like oh I want to uh, go here so I can branch off to like the western part of the map or like. 
I don't want to retread. I'm like, I want to see more new stuff in this world because this game is jaw droppingly gorgeous. No, everything. The I've opening seen title card made my jaw drop, and I lost my mind at how like cinematic and beautiful it was because it didn't happen to like it was one of those late hour end cards after like it 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 pops at the moment where like the world is yours, which is like the perfect time to do it. It's like the last time I felt that was like when I was playing like Breath of the Wild. Which happened, which like, by the while it took like 10 minutes to get that title card, if that. And this was like an hour experience to have like that, uh, just a beautiful like world in front of me. And I want to say, I won't delve too deep into the story for the sake of spoilers, but I like the main character a lot. And I'll, I'll talk about one side quest that merely made me like the game and gave me like, don't want to say like Witcher 3 vibes in the side quest, but like made me like compelled to check out more like just random side quests so Jin, the main character is dealing with the fact that like it's set during the mongol invasion of japan where specifically tsushima island okay and so 80 samurai had to stand up against i believe 3,000 mongols and it doesn't go it doesn't end well um so no. (laughs) no it doesn't uh like pretty much anybody who get in the way of the mongols it didn't go well for most of us. So you play as a samurai who's like survived that battle and is trying to unite the surviving samurai to come together and take back Mongol rule, take back Tsushima Island from the Mongol rule. And he has to grapple with the fact that the Mongols don't fight with honor. So like there's stealth kills in this game, but you're like the samurais don't stealth kill. Yeah, he knows. He has to grapple with that. So, like, every once in a while when you do a stealth kill, you'll have visions of, like, your training and your father being, like, only a fool strikes from the shadows and stuff like that. So, Jen is, like, constantly grappling with the fact that it was, like, I'm not fighting, fighting with honor in order to, like, save my, uh, my home you and to, my people. So you're like, having to give up your mores to have a chance to actually win. Exactly. And the, the fact that he's grappling with that is, like, super interesting. And there was, like, a side quest that I found just by, like, walking through, like, one of the, like, shop sections. A guy was like, hey, I I found there's, like, a surviving samurai over by this uh, camp. I thought he was the last one, but you seem to be here, too. So I go there. And he has, like, a, there was, like, a setup there at, like, a spa with, like, a bunch of, like, maidens, right? So I go in, and they're like, oh, the samurai, the samurai will be back soon. So he comes back wearing, like, polished, uh, un, like, beautiful pristine armor that hasn't had a chunk in it or something so instantly he walks in and goes oh there's another one i'm just like instantly just like uh me and the main character both like darted eyes going something's wrong here so he's so you start asking him questions about the battle he's getting the places names wrong and everything and jim's like yeah so it's like oh i'll have you set up in, in a bath and everything i'll uh, we'll, we'll talk after that. It's like, you had a long journey. You, you survived that battle. It's been rough. So you, you start walking to the bath and he's like, his horse is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you follow him and he tries to challenge you to a duel, right? <laughs> he's like, I'll become a samurai by killing you. And it becomes like the executioner situation from like Batman uh, Arkham Origins. Where all you have to do is draw your short sword and so he's on the ground like, please no, please no, don't let me do this. It's like the guy in The Witcher 3 who yeah. has to fight you multiple times <laughs> trying to win some guard's like, affection. And you can just be like, listen man, you need to get the hell out of here. It's just- you done fucking with the wrong motherfucker. 
I, I like it, I said, I, I would love to play that. I plan on finding a way to play that eventually. I think it, it looks very, very damn good. I was worried about how the the open world would be scattered with too, with too much going on because that's what kind of kept me from playing more of Horizon Zero Dawn was it was very much like an Ubisoft-style open world. Which I, I, I can tell you right now. <laughs> if I if I open up the map and there was 300 little dots on there yep, and like 50 to 60% of them are things like find the pigeons find the letters shit like that i do not give a damn this has i don't i don't i I don't care about that kind of stuff and i think some of that is because i'm i'm older and i don't need video games to take up as much time as i used to like if you buy one game every six months like yeah yeah, you probably uh, assassin's creed is probably a good purchase yeah but for me it's like damn i don't care about the pigeons let me just get to the cool shit yeah, this game has a very kind of minimalist style map. There's like occasional question marks if you pass through something you didn't see. But it's mostly like, hey, you kind of missed this or something on your map to kind of guide you in that direction. Or you can like, there's options to like, so instead of having like map markers in the world, like depending on, it's kind of reminds me of Wind Waker in this, you set your map objective and the wind will blow in that direction. Okay. So you just follow where the wind is blowing. To get, and you can set it to, hey, so the map's not clogged with objective markers. Be like, have the wind guide me to cosmetic upgrades or something. So you'll just follow the wind. So you're like, you can just like walk through cool. this world like along the way. So it doesn't, it's not obstructive in like it's open world design. And I'm going to see this game through because I love, I really like where the story is going. And I really, really like the main character. I like the idea also that they found a way to direct you without like popping a big arrow up or something because if the game is as beautiful as it looks like it is and i i'm pretty sure it is my job um, on the fl- i don't <laughs> want it clogged up by okay it's the it's the current battlefield situation right where your screen's just a cluster fuck of maps and names of everyone on your team and objectives being these bright blue things and it's like we have these fancy new consoles where we can produce these beautiful graphics and instead i'm just clogging it up with ui there, that's not that's not a problem here yeah very, i don't want that i want very to minimalist ui here yeah you have a you have a life bar you have how many healing items you got and i believe that is it <laughs> no i'm fine with that like i i'm just i was thinking that about that a lot today because i watched some battlefield f- footage because i'm just fascinating at that I'm fascinated by that train wreck. <laughs> and I was just like, this, this UI is just a cluster fuck. We're fascinated because we're not involved in it because we decided after playing the beta that we're not going to get Battlefield. Yeah, thank you, uh, Battlefield Beta, for telling me not to buy Battlefield. <laughs> and apparently... <laughs> the worst advertising not... technique. Yeah, it was a great it was a great plan. It saved me $60. I sent you guys a TikTok from like Spider-Man 3 of just like Call of Duty Vanguard and uh, uh, Battlefield just staring at like... Uh, Peter Parker, who was Halo Infinite, just doing like his dance and everything. It's so I'm just like, it's a good, it's a good time to be <laughs> Halo Infinite right now. Like I said, with Vanguard being just meddling, pushing back a year was like the best thing they could have done because going up against Call of Duty and Halo, or sorry, Call of Duty and Battlefield in like the same holiday season would originally be in a tough uphill battle, but they kind of just, uh, they, it's like they shot each other and Halo, and Halo was just standing there like what I was I was ready to fight guys well like, <laughs> I don't want to take away like the success that 343 had I mean they also produced a high quality multiplayer shield yeah you needed to in order to and like get that too I, I, like you look at just like the sound design in the new Halo compared to those games 
Everything feels chunky. Like I was bragging about the sniper rifle last night. Like you hear the bolt slam when you fire. Like there's a craft there's a craftsmanship to that multiplayer design. And you look at Vanguard and it's like, let's just do clusterfuck World War Two and don't even get Eric started on that kind of stuff as a history nerd. Um, and then Battlefield, which is like cluster of just a shit ton of UI problems on top of just a very unstable game that's having like hit there's hit registration issues in Battlefield right now. I can tell where like you cannot <laughs> you cannot like you are shooting people and they're not getting hit markers in Battlefield right now. I saw a article that was like you can destroy a tank with a sniper rifle faster than you can a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's not a it's a bad problem. Um which is usually a problem that I'm like usually can get behind, but I'm like, yeah, that's hilarious. But nah, that's when there's so good. many other things playing that thing, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. It's yeah, a bummer. But at least I didn't pay for that bummer. Yeah, I know. We 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 dodged the bullet. Um, any other games y'all want to talk about? That was it for me. Okay. Um, you guys need Nick? <laughs> no. Are we gonna fill time, Eric? I I would say this why I had a question presented to me. And uh, because this is just the random episode where we talk about stuff we want to talk about. Michael, uh, be, you, you might not know this, Michael, but one day when we become highly successful podcasters, I will start my uh, offshoot wrestling show. Is it called State of the Kayfabe? Because that's no. the name I pitched. <laughs> I have a name. I'm not going to say it because some motherfucker on here is going to take that shit. <laughs> so fuck y'all. Y'all ain't getting shit. But So it is State of the Kayfabe. No, it is not. It's not. It does not refer on, to that's a, good, that's, a good, that's a good name. You want to take? You're just mad I'm because do Jim Cornette would be rolling in his. Jim Cornette can go to fuck. <laughs> Me and Jim Cornette gonna to go to war. Uh, he's got a vastly more successful podcast than we do. So if I can get on Jim Cornette's podcast, like talking shit, he like um, yeah, we, we do that. He, he'll get. I feel like I could antagonize Jim Cornette enough. To make him get mad at me and therefore boost me. Like, I feel like I could do that if I wanted to. Finally, we're going to start beefs. We're going to start beefs with a 60-year-old man who <laughs> who still believes wrestling should be the same as it was in 1987. Um, <laughs> do you want... We're going to see how far the listeners jump off, but... Uh, we'll pay attention to the stats on this one. Yeah. Survivor Series was last night, Michael. Was it? You watched a little bit of Survivor Series. I watched the whole thing. God help you. I, why did I do this? Well, I skipped, uh, we some, are, I skipped some filler. We also, Everything about the golden egg got skipped. We also have SmackDown <laughs> tickets coming up. We do have SmackDown tickets. So, well, let's take 10 minutes here. So I have to watch the story to keep up with this. No, you don't. <laughs> I, realize, you, I realize that like an hour in going, am I wasting my life? Am I wasting my time? We're going to do, yep. do a 10 minute... Smackdown, uh, Survivor Series review. I'm going to make a grilled cheese. No, you're going <laughs> to sit right here. Let's go ahead and start off right here. If you're not a normal wrestling fan, do not watch Survivor Series. It was very, very bad. There was a better pay-per-view uh, last week, which was Four Gear, AEW Four Gear. It was very, very good. Um, had top to bottom four to five star matches. That's out of a scale of one to five. Uh, Survivor Series had one three and a half star match, 
and I don't think anything else got over two. There were moles. No, Is this you... Eric's personal ratings of these matches? Um, or is that a widely known, everybody knows what you're talking about, four-star matches? Uh, f- one to five-star matches are what Wrestling Observer uses, which is like the default, like one of the major like wrestling publications slash podcasting slash radio programs yeah okay so it's it's i'm using a system that people understand sure. fire pro wrestling uses percentages uh, fuck, that's basically right. you get an achievement for doing something below 58 percent because if you get into it called bathroom break usually good. That's, that's, <laughs> you get achievements watching wrestling what are we talking about no, in fire pro is a video game Oh, that's but not like a real they thing. do the stupid uh, Batwoman Black Canary match everyone hated. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it was it was you a superhero shit. <laughs> uh, Carnage is still the I can't get the belt off Carnage. It can't happen. I've tried. You're the buckle. <laughs> yeah. Don't be fucking Vince McMahon <laughs> being like, oh, I can't take the belt off of Brett now. I did a tournament to have him lose his belt and he won the tournament. Nobody's listening. To I need shit. to I need to step I need to step in and have okay, be personally the, and take off the belt let's off do Carnage. This. Let's do this. <laughs> Survivor series, Michael. Yes. Yes. Ask me questions about Survivor Series. Uh, are those boots functional? <laughs> no. Uh, the only match of the night that was worth any damn was the Becky Charlotte match, which was a match this entire build was two people trying to convince you in a sport that's about acting like you really hate each other that they actually in real life hated each other. It's called a walk shoot, and it's the worst thing you can possibly do. So let me explain this to you, Nick. Okay. What happens, Nick, if we were in a business yeah. where our job is to act like we hate each other and fight in front of people? Yeah. But instead, the only thing we did was walk around and say to people like Michael, like, I really dislike that Eric guy. I feel like he's so unprofessional when we're doing these fake fights. So you're you're getting so meta. Yeah, I'm already confused. You're, yes. <laughs> yeah. These two people. I would say, if you said that, I would say, it sounds like... Eric, I don't like Eric. Yes, exactly. But your entire so business, but no, but your entire business is selling fake fights. And right. I say fake, like I'm using these as like term, like the sacrifices so to their bodies are real. Yeah, Eric, exactly. you, I don't make these. <laughs> I make this defense constantly. But no, but like if you are trying to sell this as like a real thing, right? When you make these storylines, yeah. By acknowledging that it's not real, uh-huh. and then trying to say, "But this one is real." The only thing you're doing is you're trying like that, walk the people. Stakes are, it, they it have never been higher. As somebody who doesn't watch this. I'm intrigued. They well, hate, they chain each other in real life, and now they got a fight in a ring doing a fake fight. Yes, yeah. it's a bad idea. This that's how people get injured. It sounds like this is for real. <laughs> yes, but it's not because you don't. So like, you're ruining it, not them. It's, it's like you don't have the in-ring chemistry with that person to where if you botch something, it's just like oh well, whatever. It, it's it, not like the whole concept yeah. was they were walking around acting like this was going to be a real fight, and. If you actually saw them have a real fight, it would not be interesting. It would be a boring, bad match. So the fact that you got this match meant that these two people are walking together. It's just, it's, it's this 19, in the late 90s bullshit where we tell the fans over and over again that this isn't real. And then we get mad that they don't treat anything like it's real. Like the idea of good wrestling storytelling is having the fans buy in. Like, no one out in the crowd is sitting there saying, I believe this is real. Like, as a fan, I know that this is this is 
a performance and two people walking together. Look at you trying so hard not um, to say fake. No, it's not. But I, I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to like explain this for a second. I know as a fan that this is a performance, two people walking together. But I want a story that makes me being able to buy in. Same thing as if I was watching a TV program. Like I know the you know if I'm watching The Witcher, I know that freaking Henry Cavill is not actually trying to kill this guy. But the story makes me want to see what happens and see the fight, see you know The Witcher win. In good wrestling storytelling, I want to see this fight and I want to see the good guy win and the bad guy lose. If the whole time and the whole premise of your story is acting like none of this else is real, but this one is, then the only thing you're doing is you're telling me I shouldn't give a damn about anything else on this card and that you're going to go have a real fight, which I know you're not going to have because you're out there helping each other do this shit. So it just it just exposes the... It, I, I sound like Jim Cornette now. <laughs> but it exposes everything else, and it just keeps drawing a, a spotlight to... The fact that this is like pre, pre determined, and the concept that that's like the story they went with this match with it's a Becky Charlotte match, where these are two very good walkers who have done God knows how many damn matches together. You don't need to do that. You just do a grudge match where you have these two people who hate each other and they have a big match, and so the fact that that was the only that still turned out to be the only good match on this card, is amazing. Um, it was a good match with a bad finish. Um, I don't think Becky has beaten anybody clean since she came back. I feel like I'm the opposite. Well, I thought it was a relatively clumsy match, but I liked the finish. I'm, I'm like the... To be fair, I haven't been really watching up to this point to see like uh, Charlotte do a heel move and try to like grab the rope. And then Becky do the exact same thing, but the ref didn't see it. I was like, gold, that's great. The idea of it was like the 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 booking idea of it was that Becky beat Charlotte at her own game. The problem is you have it's a heel heel match. Like no one's a good guy in this match, and you this already have well the, no not really because you don't have a good way to get fans involved in the match. There's no cheering for one particular person. Well, the, except, the, except this time. It, wait for it. <laughs> except one of these people. The fans have completely rejected the fact that she's supposed to be a bad guy. Becky cannot get booed. It's the Rock problem. Yeah, it's the, the, no yes. one will boo the Rock. <laughs> so you, what you do is you pivot and they call her face, the but they have not. <laughs> uh, that's the other big story. Speaking of the, night. Of the Rock, <laughs> they spent the entire pay per view talking about the Rock. So it was Nick, the twenty fifth anniversary set, of his first. I know night. the Rock. Yeah, you know the Rock. Yeah. Nick, you have sat down to watch Survivor Series, <laughs> which I don't. Yes, I you're, you're, you're my friend, so I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah. But um, I watched that shitty Miz versus Miz yeah versus Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon, whoever the fuck it was. I I invited Nick over to watch WrestleMania one year, and Miz. Michael was there. My father was there. And it was multiple good matches. It was like Seth, Brock. It was multiple good matches. And then <laughs> Nick words. came in, and it was The Miz, Shane McMahon, which is the worst match of the night. And Nick just watched that and then left. And I was like, I was like I've lost him. I can't convince him wrestling's any good. See, like when you say, when you bring somebody to watch wrestling, and you go, this guy's Johnny Cage. 
And I'm like, okay. That puts I'm a, a high bar. Right I'm a there. little bought in. And then this is Johnny Cage's dad. <laughs> and then you show a clip of Shane McMahon making fun of Johnny Cage's dad, and it's funny. Yeah. And then he loses that match. I know. I, it was a bad. It was not the best example wrestling put forward. Um, oh, I'm bored. But I was like, there's Johnny Cage in this. All right, you're speaking my language. There you go. But, yeah. uh, so so like, one fatality. <laughs> but uh, oh. yeah. Oh Jesus oh. Christ! I lost I've been my train of thought. Watching Dark Side of the Ring, so instantly my brain went to bad places. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for turning me on to that. Dark Side of the Ring is very. By the way. Dark Side of the Ring is actually good for anybody who um, does not give a damn about wrestling either. Because it's basically just stories behind the scenes of like wrestling history, but that shit is fascinating. Like you don't have to give a damn about wrestling. It's best to, if you have a passing knowledge, I think, to be like, I know some of I know, the episodes. I know some of these people. Some of the episodes, like you know, things like the Montreal Screw Job and stuff like that, you need a passing understanding of wrestling. <laughs> But the, you want to know about the Montreal Screwjob? I've heard this term before, but I, I don't remember what it was. Do we have uh, an hour? Uh, we're going to do a fi- describe describe the Montreal Screwjob in five sentences. I can't do that. <laughs> Vince McMahon had a champion named Bret Hart. Bret Hart. A lot of guys in my middle school were a fan of this man. <laughs> Bret, Bret Hart. Hart. Okay, he was. He was yeah, I could. WCW Nitro. You're a great yeah, game. No, but <laughs> Bret Hart had a massive contract that Vince McMahon had signed and then found out he couldn't pay him. So he told him, you can go walk for the competition. But there was a problem. Vince McMahon never took his fucking belt off of Bret Hart. So Bret Hart is the champion of WWF. About to go to WCW. About to go to the competition. Is WWF the same thing as WWE? Yes. Yes. Okay. The Ward Wildlife Foundation sued the shit out of him and won. But Brett needs to drop the belt, which lose. And the guy they want him to lose the belt to is is a guy named um, Shawn Michaels. The problem is, Shawn Michaels is a piece of shit, (laughs) a drug addict. And, in real life? Yes. And does not give a damn about wrestling. Real life yes, piece of yeah, shit, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, real life, like, real life piece of shit. Like, like he's, like, like he was just, like... probably a bunch of people yeah. <laughs> No, fuck. No, nobody is going to defend 1996 Shawn Michaels. Like, I'm sure he's a nice guy now. He got, he found God and shit. But, like, he was a piece of shit in 1996. Um, Bret Hart refused, just straight up says, I'm not going to lose this guy. Mm. I'm not going to fucking do it. And... His contract is almost up, and there's a general fear that Bret Hart might just go to the competition as champion. And this is before things like talking about this stuff being predetermined was common. Like in 1996, they still kind of, they never talked about that. Like they acted like this was not predetermined. So the concept of the champion of your company just leaving to the competition was a big damn deal. So in Montreal, at Survivor Series of all nights, Tied that in. See, I'm a professional podcaster. Um, they had to come up with a way to get that belt off of Brett. So they told Brett that he was going to win that night. Sean went out, and in the middle of the match, he put Brett in Brett's submission move, the sharpshooter. And the ref called the match, said wow. he tapped, rung the bell, 
and everybody get the fuck out of there. Sean get the belt and ran. <laughs> the ref got out of there. He hit the parking lot. He was out in like 10 minutes out of that parking lot. Because <laughs> Brett took this shit super serious. Way too serious. He's not, he, he always took his stuff too serious. His, family come, pedigree. Like his family old. Middle like of the business. thing. He is mad as hell. Vince McMahon being an arrogant son of a bitch goes down to the ring because he wants to... He spits on Vince McMahon's face in the middle of TV. Nice. And does the big WCW sign before they shut off. Mm. He goes backstage. He is mad as hell. Vince is going to try to talk to him. He goes in the locker room. tells Vince, he goes, if you're out here, when I get out of the shower, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. (laughs) Walks into the shower. Of course, Vince is still standing there when he comes out. Knocks the fuck out, Vince McMahon. Storms out. Goes to Nitro. In real life. Yeah, this is all. Because, yes, this is all, like... It's a screw. It's called a screwdriver because they literally fucked him over. Like it wasn't supposed to go like this, and like it, it caused a massive like controversy. It was a big deal. Um, like I said famously, that ref dude was in on. The only people who were in on it were Vince, Sean. Even though Sean claimed he wasn't in on it, but he's just a little drug addict. And Cornette. And no, Jim Cornette claimed Jim Cornette came up with the idea actually, <laughs> and he did not admit it till like a year ago. Until the until the documentary. Yeah, he, that was the first day. He was like, gotta get that shit off of his chest. Well, in Jim Cornette's defense, and I forgot. I don't, no one gives a shit about this. We can cut this. But like in Jim Cornette's defense, Jim Cornette was damn like good TV. Yeah. No, uh, Jim was like they kept going through all these dumb solutions. And Jim Cornette just kept being like, why the fuck did you not take the belt off this guy before his contract went up? <laughs> like, he, Jim Cornette probably was the, one of the few in the room being like, you dumbass, you set yourself up for this. Take the belt off and then tell him you don't have a contract. <laughs> but um, Vince, he came up with the idea of doing the screw job because it's something that's happened before back when, like, in the in 50s. In the 30s, I believe is what Yeah, said. 30s and 40s. They, so wrestling, like, got predetermined because wrestling used to be a real sport and it's boring as hell to watch two big guys try to pin each other <laughs> like like literally are you talking wrestling like wrestling like people well do in high school? yeah kind of okay. but it was done like a lot of like for carnivores and things like that but like they would generally try to hold each other down it was usually best two out of three you had to hold them down for like five seconds like that's very hard to do so yeah. it's very boring right. so what they started doing was fixing it so it'd be more exciting and they just wouldn't tell people and people thought it was real because and the crowd loved it because yeah. it had and like, it got exciting yeah. like when they started fixing it people started caring <laughs> like if i told you like let's go watch two guys for 50 minutes try to pin one down or i could say let's watch two guys and one guy like throws guys over his shoulder and shit you're gonna go to the one where you get to see people get thrown around all right this is i feel like this is a bad question but like this, at the same time, can you not like watch two men fight each other to the potential death in boxing at this exact same time? Yes. Okay. The, the so like, like, I feel like I would. Why can't you just be like, yeah, well, let's really throw each other around then? Well, <laughs> let's like, see where this shit goes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just what like UFC fighting and stuff like. Like modern day wrestling's appeal is not the concept that they're actually fighting, right? Is the storytelling that goes into it and the athletics? You're talking so, about UFC? No, modern day wrestling. Oh yeah, you know, wrestling. Like if you, yeah, if you yeah, wrestling. If you will, <laughs> if you're my father in 2021, <laughs> if you're who anybody still calls it wrestling, who watches wrestling. <laughs> um, There's a, dis- a difference. Like, the thing about re- like wrestling is, 
I almost said wrestling. <laughs> the thing about wrestling... It's not men's words. It's is, just call, let's, let's call is it the storytelling that goes into it, right? Uh-huh. And the athletics. Like, you watch... Like, if I was to actually, like, take an honest shot and try to get you into wrestling... First of all, it w- we would not even touch fucking WWE. Like, not... Like, right now, it's the product is embarrassing. Mm. They have a plus... Their talent is amazing. They have some great talent there. But these people are they're written by writers who don't most of the writing staff in WWE are like T V writers and fucking sitcom writers, so all the stories come across like lame sitcoms. What we would do is if like, if I sat down like I'm gonna try to get you into like wrestling, we would watch AEW, which is the new kind of hotness that came up the past couple of years. Did CM Punk go back to that? Yes, yeah, CM he Punk went is to back. that. Yeah, CM Punk is back. I don't understand why CM Punk is a thing. Why do people um, like CM Punk in CM five Punk, sentences? CM Punk was a fan favorite who um he did not fit the mold of what Vince McMahon views as a star but he people fell in love with him he was a big indie star um and he when he left he kind of got fucked over by that company left said he would never come back to wrestling he's been the go-to like fuck you for WWE so if you get bored at a show you just chant CM Punk like you know just as you're like I hate this show I want something better. You get rid of CM Punk, so fuck you. Um, so he's a big fan favorite. Vince McMahon views all stars in wrestling as like 275 pound steroid, six foot seven guys. Um, if you look at like what modern wrestling is and the kind of guys that are like your top guys and the best performers, they're not that. Like these are guys who are extremely athletic and do a lot of jumps off top ropes. They have a lot like very diverse move sets. So like I said, if we were to get into wrestling, I would watch like show you AEW where it's a lot of like luchador style wrestling. So it's you know guys flipping off of ropes, stuff like that. But also the big thing that they have going for them is one, they do their storytelling in a way that's actually respects you as an audience. So the big big moment that's happened recently is um, Hangman Adam Page who at the very start of the company was kind of pitched as going to be one of their big guys. And he continued to lose over and over. He never got to that top spot. And actually ended up teaming up with Kenny Omega for a while. They had the tag team belts. Um, he became an alcoholic. So he's just real like... life? Yeah, well, in the... Sh- in the... Sh- in the... Mo- in the... In the... In the, the sh- for the show. Uh-huh. Where he was drinking, it was causing him to lose track of you know things. He was falling off. Um, he kept trying to reach that top point, and just couldn't do it. And after two whole years of being downtrodden, he finally rose back up and was able to beat Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and become you know it's like this long term story where you followed this same same story for going on like two years. So by the time that you actually got to see it come to like fruition, it was a big damn deal. You felt like you rode with this person and this character for a long time. So like I would, there was no way in the world like I, we talking Survivor Series because I can watch it and just know it's a piece of shit and make fun of it. But like if you actually want to get somebody into wrestling right now, it's it's AEW or nothing because one also it's a mature it's a more mature show. They still do blood, they still do um, you can curse. You can you know, yell things like, you know, you can do chants at AEW like you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. Do, 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 do. You know, you can do stuff like that where, like, WWE is very much like a PG show. 
And because of that, everyone talks like they're tough guys, but they're PG tough guys. So no one can just be like, I'm going to kick your fucking head in. It's always like, you know, I'm going to. And also, Vince McMahon doesn't view wrestling as like wrestling. He doesn't like that, ter- like that, that word or that terminology. So like they refer to things as like sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like in superstars. You're not a wrestler in WWE. You're a superstar. Well, over in AEW, it's like, no, you're a motherfucking wrestler. And this is wrestling. We win belts here. We compete. There's a standing system that lets them, like, you have to have the top record to be able to compete for the belt. Is there more tournament arcs? Yes, there's okay. tournaments and stuff like that. Well, in AEW, to compete for the belt, you have to have the best record. And, like, that sounds, you say, well, all this is predetermined. <laughs> that is what but, I say. <laughs> <laughs> but think about that from a story point of view. In WWE, I can walk out and be like, you can have the belt. And I can walk out and be like, I'm going to challenge you for Drew the belt. Drew McIntyre issued an open challenge. That yeah. means anybody can do it. <laughs> but, like, I can just walk up and do it. So it's there's no story to that. With AEW having a standing system, like with Heyman and Page, he fell. He was at the bottom. No one cared. He was washed up. And he had to physically rise back up the ranks. To get that opportunity, to, so it, it leads lets something you, whenever he yeah, goes it leads, back and does it. It gives you something to base your stories off of, and then you can do other stuff with like blood feuds and stuff like that, where you're just like, I fucking hate this guy, and I'm gonna kick his ass. And also with stuff like AEW treating his audience more maturely, it lets you do things where like, hey, you get the satisfaction of watching this heel that's been fucking over the hero for months, get his ass fucking kicked and get his head busted open. And you get the satisfaction of, like, this guy got his comeuppance, mm. you know. And you can't do that when you're doing PG product um, ah. where no one loses. I'm not, like, dude, I'm very disassociated right now with the rest of, with WWE. <laughs> AEW right now. I'm that being said, we're seeing a show very soon. Um, <laughs> I will, I, like I said, the talent there is amazing. Like, I still love a lot of the talent in Be, WWE. AJ Styles is there. Finn going Ballard. and seeing it live is always a good time, even if the matches you're watching are not that great. Because you have never seen TV live. So that's the big thing I'm going to warn you about. This is TV. You also We've said seen... the same about a house show. Going, We're not going to see anybody big at this house show. And then John Cena I was wrong out. there. John, <laughs> John Cena was there. I gave you credit. I was wrong, I was wrong with that one. Which is a person who was really into the DIY music scene for a little bit. I was very, very confused about why John Cena was in somebody's like basement in Greensboro or something. Oh throwing, yeah, throwing wrestling. Because we co- we told you we were going to a house show, and you're like, you just assumed it was in a house. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you're gonna watch some dudes house mess around on a trampoline? Yeah. House show is just a show that is not recorded. It's like a show. It's it's what wrestling used to be, where it's like you would do shows and then you would just do TV once a week. So like you know, a house show and like to me that's more fun because it's actually got wrestling and it's not got twenty minutes of fucking TV bullshit. The entire story arc of Survivor Series this year was a missing egg. Because it was tying it. Because it was The Rock. It was tying into the movie that The Rock is in. The, on uh, uh, Red Notice on Netflix. You know, they're like, here's trailer. the... Yeah, here's yeah. The, yeah, we all did. <laughs> I saw it like four <laughs> times last night. Um, even on the pre-record, even on the like rerun of it uh, that you watch on streaming, it still has all. It still has commercials. I'm like, what are we doing? Was because, Ryan Reynolds there? No. No, he was not there. No, well, The was Rock there. wasn't there. <laughs> we, the biggest problem of the night was there has been a rumor for many, many months that The Rock is coming back to do one match against Roman Reigns. It makes sense from a story point of view. Also, The Rock is the cousin of Roman Reigns. 
So it would be a chance for him to give Roman Reigns a bump. In real life? Yes, in real life. In real life. <laughs> We're going to teach you the word kayfabe and shoot. Kayfabe is fake. Shoot is real. He is the shoot cousin of Roman Reigns. Okay. Um, All last night. The egg of Cleopatra. <laughs> all last night, they talked about how it was the 25th anniversary of The Rock's debut on Raw. Um, they talked about his movie. They had the fucking egg there from the movie. So what did the, the crowd egg assume? Gets stolen? <laughs> what did the crowds assume? The Rock is here. Did Will Roman Reigns steal the egg? No. Nope. We don't, no, we, we don't right, know. Do we know who stole the egg? Right now, because we're recording on Monday night, right now, somewhere on Raw, they're talking about the egg. And <laughs> Eric's not going to watch it. Because why do I give a fuck? But it's um, not important to the SmackDown show we're gonna watch, right? I don't give a shit if it is. I'm not going to support that crazy old man's belief that people give a fuck about an egg. Fucking senile. Wasn't a match also sponsored by Pizza Hut? Despite yes. The it, was- <laughs> it was a Pizza Hut fucking spot where a motherfucker got eliminated because of pizza. I goddamn, hate- I goddamn hated that show. So bad. Coming off of like four gear. I have not watched WWE TV for like almost a year. Um, even Becky coming back, I couldn't give a damn. I watched her debut, and I was like, oh, shit, this isn't going to go well at all. Um, and uh, I watched this show last night because I, I was like, I need to know so the, the, the SmackDown show we're going to. And the whole time, I was just like, I hate wrestling. <laughs> so Wednesday night will like re-encourage my wrestling love because I'll watch Dynamite, and I'll feel great about wrestling again. Before we go into And our, then SmackDown yeah. might ruin it for me. Again. I just hope for a good <laughs> I just hope for a good dark match. So maybe we get a good dark match. If but... Drew McIntyre is there throwing sass, I'm happy. I don't know how you ruined Drew, Drew McIntyre. No one gives a fuck about this whole part. I forgot that we were even recording at this point. <laughs> I'm just talking about wrestling. Let's bring it home, because no one cares. <laughs> Stand so us. someone's listening going, I care. Yeah, I mean, if you want to hear oh, us one talk, of you. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk about wrestling, I'll talk about wrestling all day. Stay the kayfabe. That's a bad name. It's a great name. It rhymes with stay the same. Yeah, I just want to, well, I really, my entire pitch, actually, I'll do this because I don't think I ever get to, is I was going to force y'all to watch matches, like one match, that will give you all the context for, all the, the reasons why it's a big deal, make you watch it, and have, like, rough reviews where I would like make you watch this match and like tell me what you thought about it if it's not uh, the rock special refereeing I don't want it before <laughs> no we would probably do that one because that's a damn good match that is the best match like, of all we, time I would no, do... no one has ever topped the rock as a special referee we would do um, like hell in the cell well do we have time I might force Nick to watch that like 10 minute match right now make, make him watch <laughs> no we would do stuff like hell in the cell when Mick Foley got thrown off the top of the cell and Busted his teeth open and busted. Is that when that guy says, "My God, <laughs> my God, <laughs> my God, he's broken in half"? <laughs> Which fun story was his actual response because he thought he was dead. <laughs> like he honestly thought that man they had was killed, broken in half. Honestly, he honestly thought they killed Mick Foley, and he's sitting there like they killed Mick Foley and they're still rolling. <laughs> Which is like I'm gonna bum you out. Then they proceeded to do that a few years later with Owen Hart, who actually fell from the rafters and died. And Vince McMahon, piece of shit that he is, continued the show. Oh, wow. And just sent the next match out. And, like, imagine having to go wrestle after you just watched your friend fall from the fucking ceiling. And I haven't die. seen that episode of Dark Side of the Ring yet. I might watch that one now. It would make you very mad. Um, 
just uh, another like jerk off for AEW. They actually finally um, they're doing an Owen Hart uh, tournament where it will be like a part of his foundation. Um, she's not wanted anything to do with WWE ever because of that bullshit. Because Vince McMahon's a piece of shit. And um, you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm the first one to say. I'm the first. Somewhere Bret Hart's like about time somebody told him a piece of shit. Nah, but let's bring this thing home. Stay the save at gmail.com for all your emails at Stay the Save on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, we will be back next week for part two of Metal Gear Solid. Um, good, cool stuff coming up for the holiday episode. Uh, and as always, thank you guys for listening. Have a great time. Stay safe out there. Oh.